25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them up the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Football? Man, who's talking about football? We have baseball news on tap for this hour. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but it is potentially a very, very big deal. All right, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Or at least I'm going to give you the details. And look, okay, when I say potentially this is a very, very big deal, in regards to college baseball, raise your hand. If you are a college baseball fan, yeah, and I'm talking all three Division I schools in Mississippi, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss. This news potentially for college baseball would affect all three, every Division I baseball playing school in the country. And it's a big deal. And I, right now, unless something comes up right now, I am very much in favor of it, okay? I'm just saying it. Right now, I am very much in favor of this potentially big news. And I'm going to tell you just exactly what it is in a sec. Welcome into hour number two of the show. I'm Matt Beavers here. Most importantly, you are here and appreciate you listening, however, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for tuning in. There's lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. You can text me on the country pleasing text line at 885 ESPN. Got it? 601 number, 885-ESPN. Or call me, that's the uh, Divinity phone, 995-1059. That's a 601 number, 995-1059. Just to clean something up, though, real quick before I give you this baseball stuff, because I, I, I think you're going to have potentially a reaction to this. Just to clean something up, going back to the list that we had of the top 20 discontinued fast food items. You know, it's kind of mean to throw that stuff out there during lunchtime. When you're hungry, you're looking for something to eat and I'm throwing things at you that you like that you can't get. (laughs) And I understand that. Bull texts the show and said, man, I hadn't thought about those Burger King cinnamon rolls in a long time. They were incredible. (laughs) Cinnamon rolls through the drive-thru. a boy, Bull. Miko said, the greatest uh, discontinued restaurant item on my list, the KFC cinnamon roll. A taste of heaven it was. Hey, let me ask you all this. What would happen if they discontinued those Popeye's biscuits? <laughs> what would happen I mean, I'm serious when I say this, and I am not exaggerating. Am I? There would be riots in the streets. Sure would. You know it. 
I don't know what they put in them, but it's not regular. I know that much. I just know it's good. Okay, here is the baseball news, accompanied with music. All right, college baseball fans, listen up. Headline, Premier Power 5 Coaches Unveil New College Baseball Model. This is a proposed new college baseball model. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Model? Yeah. I'm talking, so the whole thing. All right? That's what I'm talking about, the whole thing. You know how you as a state fan, Ole Miss fan, how you sometimes begrudgingly go to a season opening game at the Dude or at Swayze in February and you freeze your butt off? (laughs) You and about 2,000 others? Yeah. Well, what if you had less cold weather games and more warm weather games? Let me give you the high points. This will involve a little bit of reading, but I'm going to give you the high points. Okay, I am finding this article. It's been covered in several places, but I'm finding it at d1baseball.com, written by Kendall Rogers. What if you had a College World Series in mid-July? What if you had an NCAA tournament beginning in July? In other words, the July 4th weekend, you know, marks the start of the NCAA baseball tournament. What if the college baseball season began in the third weekend in March? Here's what the article says. Those are all things that will happen beginning with the 2022 season. If not to that, remember now, not 2021, that's the next one, 2022. If a set of recommendations assembled by a five coach panel of power five coaches gets approval from the other division one coaches and passes at the highest level of the NCAA in coming months. The panel who put together the proposed, quote, new baseball model includes these folks. All right. Michigan head coach Eric Bakich, the headliner, obviously, and the uh, host of these other Power Five head coaches. If you hear any noise in the background, it is me pouring hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany into my mug uh, from breakfast. Okay, so it's in the mug now. So the guy from Michigan, he's hosted these other Power 5 head coaches. There have also been Zoom discussions with plenty of other coaches, including folks in the Big Ten, Virginia's Brian O'Connor, Ole Miss's Mike Bianco, Cal Poly's Larry Lee, East Carolina's Cliff Godwin, Josh Holliday, the coach at Oklahoma State. Out West, you got Respected head baseball coaches like Ben Orloff of UC Irvine, Reggie Christensen from Sacramento State. <clears throat> and, and in on some of these calls was also Dr. James Andrews, you know, orthopedic surgeon. Uh-huh. 
You know, Tommy John? Mm-hmm. Surgeries? Yep. Yep. Here's a quote from the kind of the chair of what is this committee of coaches, Michigan head baseball coach Eric Bockage. This isn't the competitive equity proposal we have seen in previous years, and the coaches who've been working on this proposal do not need changes in order to have successful programs. This is about the sustainability and growth of college baseball for the 2022 season and beyond. Universities and athletics departments across the country are facing a financial crisis, and our sport operates at a significant financial net loss amongst teams. That's not a good combination. Now, there's lots of quotes in here. I'm not going to read them all to you, but you get the high points, right? What we're seeing right now is coaches in unison in all parts of the country in all these different conferences, and I can tell you they're all for it, okay? You know, you could almost assume that, like, for instance, a majority of the SEC coaches probably agree with Mike Bianco on this, and he goes and is the, the representative on this committee because he's the, he's the veteran in the league, right? So, I mean, they all want it. So instead of starting the college baseball season in February – where even in the South, it's too cold for baseball. But certainly in Michigan, it is. Instead, starting the season the third week of March. Still going to be cold in a lot of places. It may snow in late March, but there's a whole lot less chance it does then than a month earlier in February. Okay. You go, well, yeah, Matt, but hold on. If you start the season in March... Okay, and instead of having the SEC tournament right now on May the 21st in Hoover, you're having it on June the 21st or middle of June. The SEC tournament in June will burn up. Really? I mean, the NCAA tournament beginning on July 4th weekend. Really? The College World Series in late July. Really? Well, here's, my, here's what I say about that. Man, it's already hot. <laughs> Why are we worried about it being a little hotter? Doggone, it's already hot. I've set out when it's 90-something degrees at the SEC tournament in May. Now, I know it's not right now. And I was thinking earlier today when I was outside that this might have been, this might have been the best weather-wise SEC baseball tournament we might have ever had. Somebody texts me and says, Matt, I realize you're a feeling time, but I find myself screaming. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. I need somebody every now and then um, <clears throat> to do that because I, I like to get into the details. You just want the, the story. Uh, I hope you've got it. But, but here's the thing about it. You're going to start the season – Starting in 2022, they want to start the college baseball season the third week of March. The conference tournaments in early June, or in June, whenever, you know, I say early June, it really wouldn't be early, would it? It'd be late June. And then the NCAA tournament the entire month of July. Okay, here's two things that make sense. 
Number one, it makes sense that during that time of year, the exposure, television coverage and the like, the exposure that the sport could gain, the, the entire sport of college baseball could gain around the country is, is greater than what it currently gets right now. It is. It just is. So there's that. But then there's also this. John Cohen, former player, former coach, now AD, said on this show, y'all remember it, about this time last year, I think it was in June during the NCAA tournament, but he said, for the sport of college baseball to continue to grow and to start to scratch the surface of its potential in terms of a national audience, he said this, the Big Ten must be a part of it. So that brings us to where the big rub is in all this, where the big argument is in all this. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it as this becomes more and more of a story on the college, you know, baseball message board that you're a part of or around the water cooler when you get back to work or when you talk to your friends at Sunday school or when you go to the games in Starkville and Oxford as they look ahead to 2022. This thing's going to pass. I'm telling you, it's going to pass. Okay. And in 2022, you won't go to the season opener until late March. But you're going to hear people say, okay, so this is the Big Ten, you know, now getting a bigger cut of the pie. We're making room for the Big Ten so they don't have to play cold baseball games just so us down here in the South can play hot ones. You know, we're basically giving up our um, percentage of the market share in college baseball so that we can drag the Big Ten and their fan bases into this thing. I don't like it. You know, because up until now, let's be honest, in the South and Southeast in regards to college baseball, for the most part, it's and with this particular schedule that we've had, we have our cake and we eat it too. But, just on that idea that John Cohen raised on this show. Answer the question and be honest. Is it accurate that in order for college baseball as a whole, as a national sport to grow, the Big Ten must be a part of it. It has to be a part of that. See, we were having that conversation about this time last year or in June of last year because Michigan was having all that success in the College World Series, wound up playing for a national championship coming up short against Vanderbilt. And we're looking at a Big Ten team that nobody had rated highly, nobody knew any of the players, nobody thought they'd even be there. And there they were, right? Well, it is true. I I'll answer it for you. It is true. And let's go to the next question. Well, Matt, if the sport were to really become more popular over the next decade, let's just say over the next decade with these changes, if the sport were to become more popular, gain more exposure on television and have more exposure because of the time of year it's on and those kinds of things, does that, does that benefit Mississippi State and the SEC and Ole Miss or does it take away, again, like I said, from kind of their market share that they've had over the years? You start tipping the scales back towards the northern part of the country or Something like that. Does it take away? For me, the answer is decidedly no. 
under no circumstance is the growth of the popularity of the sport and, and exposure, the sport of college baseball, a, is that growth a bad thing for State and Ole Miss? You know, those, those schools in LSU, right? And those schools for Florida, it's they're not going anywhere. It's not going to change anytime soon. What about recruiting? Under no circumstance are these big-time, lifelong travel ball playing college recruits that are on, you know, travel teams at IMG Academy who are now signing right and left with Ole Miss and State and LSU. They're going to still sign with State in LSU. It's just, I mean, you know, it just means the kids that, frankly, at least for the, the next, I don't know, 20 years of our lifetime when they change this schedule, it just means that the Michigans of the world are not going to have to cancel a bunch of games because of snow. They're not going to have to cancel games because of sub-freezing temps. They're not going to have to play the first three weeks of their schedule on the road or whatever it is. And their fan bases are going to get a little bit more involved in their sport and in their team. And if they do, collectively, across that entire Big Ten conference, then the games are going to be more attractive to the television partners in better time slots, in more national time slots. And more people will see it, and there will be more talk about it. And all of a sudden, it will pick up steam a little bit. And, I, you know, I, whether or not Major League Baseball's troubles, and believe me, they've got them. Now, I love baseball. It was my first love in terms of sports. Okay, I love baseball. But Major League Baseball has problems. Did y'all hear it yesterday? Chris Mad Dog Russo, Mad Dog Radio, used to be Mike and a Mad Dog, went off, did his own thing, and he's like, he's like the baseball talking head on all of satellite radio. Chris Mad, you know, Mad Dog Radio. It's all base, baseball, baseball, baseball. You know, the weird guy. Lifelong baseball. The baseball guy yesterday said to the Players Association on his radio show collectively, told them to go to mm-hmm, down under because of their holding up this season, this shortened season because of the whole money thing. And, and he lays out the point. People like that are fed up with the players and with the situation. Baseball's got issues. Major League Baseball does. I mean, could there, over the next two, three years, be a window of opportunity for the popularity of college baseball because of issues at the Major League level? You know, I don't know the answer to that. It could go either way. It's possible, though. And I just like the fact, not only do you have, you know, more coverage of these new ideas, wanting another coach on the staff, wanting more scholarships. The scholarship limits in college baseball across the country are a joke especially when there's two or three teams that don't have to live by those scholarship limits. It's a joke, Vandy. Joke. But, hey, we love our sport. They're speaking out. They're trying to get that stuff done. And now you have the foremost leading, most veteran coaches in the country saying, our calendar isn't right. We want it changed. 
And if you get together, you get enough people together, they're not a union, but they can influence like one, maybe, if they're all in unison on this, and I think they are. Cameron on my Twitter feed, I'm Radio Wyatt. Cameron says uh, on Twitter, the thing with pushing baseball back is you will lose a fourth of your crowds in May and June when school is out. Will you? Cameron, I mean, really, though, I, I, I understand that school gets out, but you say lose a fourth of your crowd. He says, of course, programs like Michigan, Nebraska, et cetera, want a later season because they don't have big crowds anyway. Yeah, Cameron says, let Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State lose two to 3,000 students and their parents in attendance. It will matter. But the question, I mean, that, okay, if they lose that, if they were to lose that on those home weekends, first of all, Cameron, you know, a lot of those crowds in May and June that we were talking about, it's not a home game or home series every weekend for Cedar Ole Miss. We're just talking about the home series. So cut out a few of the weekends there. And then it's a big enough deal around here. I honestly don't think you would lose a fourth of your crowd simply because school is out. I think they would go. Maybe you're wrong. It just seems to me if that was a real legit possibility, people like Mike Bianco wouldn't be on this committee and be all for it. I don't think he's worried about losing a fourth of his crowd, whether school's out or not. That's just me. Let me know what you think. Text me 885-ESPN. Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt. Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Hometown heroes across the great state of Mississippi. Local Farm Bureau insurance agents in all 82 counties. Hit them up, give them an opportunity. You'll be glad you did. You will be glad. I suspect you will be glad that you did. All right. Uh, you can be a part of the show. The text line is 885-ESPN. 601 number, 885-ESPN. Or call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. Anthony from Tupelo said, with the draft maybe going to 20 rounds, do you think the NCAA will finally raise the baseball scholarships to at least 20? Man, you know, um, it's not a loaded question, but I think the answer is loaded, Anthony, because there are Title IX implications with baseball. You know, Title IX being the equality um, legislation where you know, a, you know a certain number of men's sports must be equal to a certain number of women's sports. Certain number of men's scholarships must be equal to a certain number of women's scholarships, you know, and things. But then to kind of protect schools all across the country who couldn't afford to be adding sports, 
they put this limit in there, right? Like this 11.7 thing. Now, again, as, <laughs> as dad would say, I don't understand all I know about that. And so certainly we need to have a greater understanding. But they will have to do something, Anthony. They will not be able to afford to keep the scholarship limit at 11.7 if after this year you've only had you're only going to have five rounds of the draft which means all these upperclassmen who would normally go in the 6th and the 7th and the 8th and the 10th they're coming back to school man because well, they're not going to sign I mean very few of them are going to sign with a minor league team for I mean with a major league team for $20,000 and then sit there and twiddle their thumbs wondering if there's even going to be a minor league team to go to. So, I mean, that means your college rosters are going to be, after only five rounds of the draft this year, your college rosters are going to be loaded up. And what does that mean? Think about the domino effect. It means more upperclassmen. Those third-year sophomore guys, those juniors, are back to play more college baseball. Therefore, they're better because they're older, and they are. Therefore, they get the playing time. If you're Mike Bianco, if you're Scott Berry at Southern Miss, if you're Chris Lamonis at State, who are you going to play? The upperclassmen that are back. Yeah, right. Which means what? That highly recruited freshman class who just came in isn't getting the playing time they thought they would get at this point. And you've just recruited another signing class. Where that where they all, I mean, where are you going to put them all? Playing time. How are you going to spread that out? You're not. Okay, that's just this year because of a five-round major league draft. What happens if then you tack another shortened draft, which they're talking about doing on top of all this next year in 2021. By the time you get to all that, you, you have no choice but to figure out some way to alleviate some of the scholarship stuff for baseball. Because you're going to have to, rosters are going to be full. I have wondered, Anthony, if it's not all of this, isn't if it's going to open up an opportunity a tremendous opportunity for junior college programs around the country. It just simply, you know, I'm looking at it, it has to mean that more high-level, talented baseball players spend a year or two in junior college, like starting immediately. That has to be what that means. Yep, and that eliminates a lot of opportunities for a lot of baseball players out there who, you know, aren't highly recruited and maybe aren't pro prospects, but wanted to continue to play as much as they could. It eliminates those opportunities. It kind of takes it away from, you know, what the purpose of the quote-unquote community college was there for a while, at least in inception, and that was to serve a certain community. We have one in our community. You have one in yours. And if I grew up here, I go to high school here and I'm halfway decent. I can go to my community college, play baseball, and I get done. Keep playing. No, not anymore, because we're going to have 15 guys on the team from Illinois to New York who would be on a minor league team somewhere. 
some of them, who definitely would be on a D1 campus. They just don't have room. It, it's going to be, uh, it will work itself out. It's just hard to figure out on the front end, for sure. And on this topic of if the schedule for college baseball moves, you start the season in March, late March, you finish the season at the College World Series in late July. So everything shifts back a month. The idea that it would hurt home attendance at you know, big-time baseball schools like State and Arkansas and Ole Miss and LSU and the others, it would hurt because the students would be out of campus in May and June on what you would have regular season weekends that they normally are attending in uh, April and May. Cameron said that he agrees in ways, but students who aren't local, their family visits, and while they're visiting in April and May, they catch ball games. He says June the 1st, their kids are at home and they won't be as willing to drive three to four hours. And not only do you lose money on campus, but surrounding businesses, just your opinion. Yeah, I, you know, I guess there is that possibility. I just, as it is right now, I think there are some cases where that's true, but if we're looking at these schools that have these huge baseball crowds anyway, it's a month later. I think they're coming anyway. I think they're coming to the games regardless. And I could be wrong. Others could be wrong. But that's the way it looks to me. It looks to me like they'd be coming you know, to the games regardless. Hey, can I throw some football at y'all? Y'all like football? Yeah! Wanted you to hear this. Interviews with some of your favorites. Some guys you used to watch in college. You know them. Let's go up to Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans. Jeffrey Simmons, first round pick of the Titans. Played some last year. Played really well when he got in there. Bull in a china shop. Out of Mississippi State. And true story. They just traded one of their better defensive tackles, Jarrell Casey. Traded him. And now there's a lot of questions. Why would you trade him? Y'all that high on Simmons already? Five-time Pro Bowl D lineman Jarrell Casey traded to the Denver Broncos for a draft pick. So the questions are, hey, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, is there more pressure on you right away because of this trade? First off, I told him I appreciated him for everything you know he did for me coming in as a rookie. You know, um, you know, Jarrell took me on his wings and, you know, pretty much just broke everything down for me. You know, that was very helpful coming in as a rookie, you know, especially coming in hurt. You know, as I know, Jarrell, as you guys know, Jarrell was, you know, he was rehabbing as well while I was rehabbing. So, you know, even when we were doing like drills, coming back, trying to work to get back on the field, you know, he, you know, stepped up and was like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. And like I said, it was very helpful, you know. I wouldn't say, I, um, you know, just... You know, coming from Jarrett, you know, I know he wasn't, you know, like 
you know, no worries, you know. And I know that, you know, the guys in our room, you know, I don't feel like, you know, um, you know, it's going to be a big leap uh, coming from me. You know, I don't think, you know, I think a lot of guys, that, especially the guys that we got coming in this year, you know, I feel like everyone's going to play a big part of this. That's uh, Jeffrey Simmons, no pressure. He helped me. Listen, y'all, what it tells you, Tennessee absolutely – without question, in just a handful of games in the back half of last year, knows 100% what they have in Jeffrey Simmons. And they also know they're going to have to pay him in the near future, too. First rounder just traded away an an aging five-time Pro Bowl D-tackle. They know what they have. Also in Tennessee, A.J. Brown, former Ole Miss Rebel, said he was – Gonna go work out every weekend with Ryan Tannehill in Florida until all this stuff happened. That was the plan was to come out there on the weekends, but you know, uh due to the coronavirus kind of slowed everything down. But um I'm at home, I'm in Nashville. Uh I have a trainer right here. Uh I work out at the facility, I work with my trainer. So uh and I, and I throw with Logan too. So no, I'm not missing too much. You know, I'm definitely putting in the work, you know, uh as soon as we can get back together, I know we'll get back where we where we left off. The Titans are fun. You know, I know they don't have right now like the big superstar quarterback. Tannehill's pretty doggone good, but just for us personally, in fact, you got Brown and you have Simmons on that team, and it's Nashville that ain't that far away. They're they're, they're fun to follow. They really are. I enjoyed following them last year. I mean, you know, it's AFC. It's going to be second fiddle to the Chiefs for a pretty good little while. Chop, chop. But they're a fun team to follow for sure. No doubt about it. We'll wrap it up with you next. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Beaver, you've been quiet in this hour. I think you've been the whole time sitting over there thinking about a Frito pie. Frito. You would be punctilious in assuming that. <laughs> There's a word I don't think I know. Oh, it's my favorite word ever. It's, what is it again? Punctilious. Punctilious. I'm going to have to look that one up. That's a new one. Learn something new every day. <laughs> and the way you said it, makes me think the meaning of punctilious is accuracy. It's like accurate. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> the the official wording is it is showing great attention to detail or correct behavior. Mm-hmm. So pretty much it's you, you, yes, you assumed correctly. Good. And if you assume incorrect, uh, incorrectly, it's punctilious, right? With a K? <laughs> I'm trying oh, too hard. Man. I know. I know. That was a terrible, terrible joke. Beaver's over there throwing mental rotten tomatoes at me. That's what he's doing. <clears throat> hey, uh, it doesn't take much for me to get excited about getting to talk about this guy who led the Atlanta Braves to their most successful decade ever as a franchise. Today is Bobby Cox's 78th birthday.
That's it. The man who was the manager of the Atlanta Braves for 20 years, from 1990 to 2010, won a World Series, a four-time manager of the year, well, three times during that stretch, because we forgot that he actually managed the Atlanta Braves for, what, uh, four seasons, late 70s, and then two years, early 80s. But um, went to Toronto, 82, 83, 84, 85, was the manager of the year in Toronto in 85, landed him the Braves job. And then he did it three times with the Braves. They have retired his number, number six, Bobby Cox, as they should have been. Today is his 78th birthday. See, I mean, things, look, and his is a great story, okay? Bobby Cox has a great story. And it speaks to anybody in any area of life, but in sports also. The man wanted to be a baseball player. He was a baseball player coming up. And originally signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, okay, in the late 60s. He never made it up to the Dodgers Major League team. Then he gets acquired by the Braves. Never made it into a Major League game with the Braves. They traded him as a part of his big trade to the Yankees in 1967. And because of the position he played, third base, and injuries and other stuff, he got to appear and play in the majors for two seasons, mostly at third base for the Yankees. And then he got hurt. And then he got hurt again. His knees were just given out. And that's it. You're a player. Your whole career, this team, don't make it up. That team, don't make it up. Finally make it up. You get hurt. Bad luck, Bobby Cox. He's just another name in the stat sheet between a couple of great third basemen for the Yankees, Cleet Boyer and then Craig Nettles, or Greg Nettles. And in between, somewhere in there as a player, is Bobby Cox. Nowhere near a Hall of Fame player. So he gets into coaching. Within a decade, he was the manager of the Atlanta Braves. Goes to Canada, becomes a manager of the year then goes back to Atlanta and becomes one of the greatest managers of all time. Hall of Famer, number retired. Sometimes life is trying to tell you something, and it's not always trying to tell you that you stink or that you have bad luck or that you aren't any good or that you need to just go hide out in a cave somewhere because it is over. Everything you thought you were and you wanted to do, it ain't happening, man. You've made a mistake going down this path. No, I'm sure you might have thought that at some point. Instead, the Lord had a different plan for him. And what he was going through was merely to get him to where he's supposed to go and benefited him once he got there. It's a really cool story. And it's one of my favorites, obviously, as a Braves fan. Bobby Cox, have a lot of respect for him, manager for 20 years. During the good old glory days, reminds me of that turning on the TV at night about this time of year. You'd come in from playing outside all day long. Mom is over there in the kitchen in our little small, about a about an 11, 1200 square foot house in Russellville, Alabama, in the scenic heights neighborhood. Man, a lot of kids. And I'd come in, she'd have the windows open. That breeze would be blowing through the house, sun going down, birds chirping. Curtains would be flapping over there as a breeze came through the back door. 
and she'd be cooking in the kitchen. It'd be something along the lines of fried chicken, rice and gravy, butter beans, cornbread. I can smell it right now. And I, as she was preparing, I'd flip on the television. Her dad already had it on. And we'd see the Braves intro. Back goes Nixon to the wall. And he caught it. Unbelievable. Kiss this one goodbye. It's a slam. And down the track he comes. And then we'd watch the game. Skip and Ernie and Pete would call the game. We'd have it on. A lot of times we'd leave the game on while we were eating. Those are precious memories, you know, being at home, watching the Braves and everybody in the same house. Great times. And Bobby Cox, he was the mainstay every year, Bobby Cox. Of course, that was after Joe Torrey, obviously. I got rid of Joe Torrey and got Bobby Cox. Yep. So happy birthday. Skipper, number six, retired. All right. Uh, also on TV back in those days, the first year that Bobby Cox was the manager of the Atlanta Braves, 1990, on his birthday, in 1990, that this day, May the 21st, 1990, they aired the final episode of Newhart. Yeah, I remember that show. That was great. You know, my brother Daryl. This is my other brother Daryl. 1992 on this day, final episode of. Uh, MacGyver. Y'all know you remember MacGyver. One of the last shows that Roger and I were able to do together here on the station before he passed away. Uh, we had a MacGyver reference. And I played this song and challenged him like, you know it. And it drove him crazy because he knew he recognized it, but he couldn't think of the name. MacGyver. That's a great show. And I know they've come out with like modern versions of it and everything, but it's terrible. The modern versions are terrible. Hey, on this day in 2013, Mike Trout of the Angels hit for the cycle. 2-0 pitch. This one out toward right center field. This one's got a chance. Saunders is back at the wall. Mike Trout! 12-0 Angels and congratulations on the cycle! How about that? True story. It happened. One last thing before you go. Uh, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, head football coach, Michigan. He did some talking here on ESPN yesterday. Jim Harbaugh thinks that it is doable for college football to return safely. You're going through a lot of, a lot of different scenarios and learning more all the time, too. So, uh, you know, people, people, you know, with the practices of, of you know, staying, staying safe and, and can you get a – an entire team together, coaches, players, trainers, strength staff, et cetera, that can not have symptoms or not test positive, you know, be, uh, and then, and then play football. Can you, can you have a game where, where both sides, both, both teams are, 
are tested, coaches, officials, uh, trainers, everybody involved. Uh, he's okay with playing without fans. You could definitely test both teams. You could test the officials and everybody. Can you test 100,000 fans coming into a stadium? Probably not. You know, that's probably not uh, without a without a vaccine. You probably couldn't do that. So, yeah, to answer your question, heck yeah, I'd be, be comfortable uh, coaching a game without any fans. Um, you know, if, it, if the choice were play or uh, in front of no fans or not play, then I would I would choose uh, play in front of no fans. Absolutely, Coach. Every guy I've talked to on our team, that's the way they feel about it. Absolutely. Pretty much perpetually, always, players have felt that way. Man, the fans are great. The noise is great. It is awesome. Make chills go down your spine. You never forget it. But, heck, man, I'd play out here in front of nobody. Draw some lines out here in a parking lot, and we'll play out there. I'll play the game because that's what I do. I play. I totally agree. Playing without us would be better than not playing at all. Tell me, I I say, Matt, you can't be there for the game. Okay. What time's it on the TV? (laughs) And I'll watch. And you will, too. That's it for today. We'll do it tomorrow and wrap up the week. I'm Matt. He's Beaver. Appreciate you tuning in. See y'all tomorrow. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say, so long, neighbors. Get me out of here, Percy. See ya.